0: It's the 2nd of May, 2021. Now, during this time, we set our hearts on training these minds in order to improve our mindfulness, in order to make the mind firmly established in samadhi, so that this develops into wisdom. So as we're sitting here, we have sila, We have this virtue, collectiveness, restraint in our body and speech. And as we're sitting, we're not speaking, and that in itself is sila. And So this path of sila, samadhi, banya, virtue, collectiveness and wisdom, um, or the eightfold noble path, this is the noble way that will take us to knowing the Dhamma. But uh, we need to walk this way this path of Sīla, Samādhi and Panya. So the last fully awakened disciple of the Buddha, Venerable Subhattā, he had made the determination to be the last Arahant disciple of the Buddha, and he had a doubt. And that was whether it's possible for there to be awakened beings those who have attained to noble fruits, outside of the sāsana, outside of this dispensation. And the Buddha replied that just as there are no footsteps or footprints in the air, um, there can be no awakened beings outside of the sāsana, that maga and pala, the paths, the fruits, can't arise. And it's only those who practice following this path of sila, samadhi and banya that will be able to see and attain to the Dhamma. And uh, so his doubts were relieved at this point and his mind became very firmly established and he asked to ordain as a monk. Uh, but because he was already ordained in a different teaching, in a different uh, religion, Uh, Usually, under standard procedure, he'd have to undergo a period of training for many months before taking full ordination. But the Buddha made an exception for him and allowed him to take uh, ordination. And once he had taken on the robes um, that night that the Buddha uh, was going to pass into Fānañibbāna, his mind gained great peace and stillness. And as he was gazing up at the sky, uh, looking at the moon, he saw a cloud pass in front of the moon. And then the moon went dark. When that cloud went away, then the moon became bright again, just like it was before. And so his samadhi was very firmly established in his mind. It was uh, cultivated to a high level. And he could see how when the aramanas, the sense impressions, passed through the mind, then they made the heart dark. But once they had gone, then the heart was radiant again. And uh, so he gained this knowledge that was up to speed, it was right on top of things, and he was ab- able to abandon all of the attachments that he had and attain to arahantship. For us, however, we're not yet arahants, so we need to take things from the start, from the beginning. And uh, so we try to train ourselves in order to get rid of our wrong views and cultivate right views. We walk along this path of generosity, of virtue, of meditation, or dana sila bhavana, or we could phrase that as sila samadhi and panya, as virtue, collectedness and wisdom. And so we try to bring our mindfulness into the present moment, and to do that a lot. If we sit in meditation or we walk in meditation and our minds are scattered thinking about many different things, then we won't gain much benefit from that. So we try to bring up mindfulness in everything that we're doing. And for monks, we have this firm intention to practice. And the same is true as well for novices, for the lay male and female disciples. You'll have this firm intention to see the Dhamma, wanting to know what that is like. Wanting to get to the point where we're able to solve all of the suffering that's within the hearts so we see that the suffering it can come up because of sankharas, of condition, phenomena, these bodies, for instance. And if we're observant, we'll notice that right from the moment that we wake up, the body experiences pain, and it does this for the entire day. We can't sit or walk or stand or lie down for long periods because our pain will arise in the body. So we need to always be changing our posture. When the body gets thirsty, we need to find water for it to drink. When it gets hungry, we need to find food for it to eat. And when it gets sick, we need to find medicine for it to take. And we can't just stay still. We always need to be going about, finding things, searching for things. As children, we have to study. And inherent in that study is difficulty, is stress. That when we're going to take exams, then we'll be worried about whether we'll pass those tests or not. And then when we grow up, then we need to go and find some work in order to support ourselves. If we have a family, then we need to support that family as well. And we have a lot of burdens, a lot of duties, and these are all stressful. And there's also the difficulty in weather as well, that... When the weather changes, if it's too hot or too cold, then this brings up pain. And uh, this is especially so when germs enter into the body, can be agonizing. And uh, if we don't have doctors that we can see, or if there isn't medicine, any, any medicine for that illness, then we can experience a lot of pain. So this is the suffering of this physical sankhāra, of this body. But what about the mind? Well, the pain in the mind comes from separating from the things that we like and love. And we may have everything that we could possibly desire, but when we're separated from all of that, then this will be agonizing. And isn't that the case? That these things, they're just temporary things. So like this body, the mind comes and re- resides here for some time and it attaches to it, taking it as me and mine. But this then becomes a cause for our hearts to experience suffering. So when vedana comes up, this feeling arises. And this does so through the processes of the body, that we have this nervous system that's functioning and then that sends signals to the brain The brain then passes these messages on to the mind, and so there's suffering in the body, and then the suffering flows into the heart as well, due to the changes within the body. So we need to train ourselves in order to see the truth, to see how all feelings, whether they are pleasant or unpleasant, or sukha, vedana, dukkha, vedana, none of it stays, none of it lasts, Every single emotion, every single feeling that we have ever had, or will ever have, arises, stays for a bit, and then goes away. But when the suffering does arise, it can be torturous. And perhaps we don't have good health, but we want to have good health. We see other people with good, strong bodies, and we think, well, why can't I be like that? Why can't I have a body like that? But these things, they follow causes and conditions. It follows kamma. And we're not really able to help other people out to a significant degree in this way. We can help people out in some ways, but to try and take the dukkha vedana that they're feeling and spread that out, to try and take a portion onto ourselves, we just can't do that. And just like how if we go to a bank and we ask to take a loan from that bank, saying that now I've got bad health and can I loan out some good health? And then when you know, enough time has passed, I'll give this back to you. And that bank just doesn't exist. We can take money out from a bank, but we can't loan out wealth. And when it comes to our health, it's each to their own. Everyone has to receive the feelings in their own bodies. And even though we may have families, even though we may have people that we love, they're not able to uh, share out these painful feelings. All we can do is give encouragement to one another. But these painful feelings, we can't take that away so the Buddha taught that we need to be a refuge unto ourselves. So we do need to train our minds so that they have energy, so that we gain energy of our own. The wealth and the material possessions that we find in this world, they are ours, but they're just ours for one period of time. If people get deluded in them, then they don't really know the truth of them, and they're not able to give them away. They hoard them all up. And then when they die, they've just wasted their life. For those who have intelligence, however, they'll use their gains to create merit, to do good deeds, so that they build up goodness, merit within their own hearts. And this is something that we can take over with us when we die. And so there's the merit we gain from our generosity, from our virtue. And this is able to solve the suffering that we experience to one degree. And um, it's also able to help us in future lives as well, because when we've created a lot of merit, then when we get born, that life will be kind of complete, we'll have the things that we need. Because for those people who are born and they're lacking in the requisites, lacking in food, lacking in shelter, then it's very difficult for them. So we need to come and develop wisdom. And uh, if we don't have this wisdom, then all the things that we gain can be a source of suffering for us. We need wisdom to look after the wealth that we have, for instance, If we don't have that, then if we gain $20 million and our minds are full of delusion, they don't have discernment, then we'll use all that money in finding delight in forms and sounds and tastes in odors and tactile sensations. And all we'll gain from that is a lot of suffering. And in the end, we just destroy our lives due to this delusion, due to a lack of wisdom. So this wisdom is vastly important. When we have wealth, then we need wisdom to look after that wealth. When we have health, then we need wisdom to look after our health, so that we're able to solve the problems that arise in the correct way. When sickness comes up, we're able to relieve that, we're able to cure that due to the wisdom that we have. And what about in meditation? Uh, What... Functions as wisdom serve there. Well, this wisdom is an all-around knowing. It's a knowledge, knowledge into suffering, knowledge which is able to relieve our suffering, and that we're able to free ourselves from suffering is due to effort and wisdom. So when our mindfulness and samādhi are already in a good state, then this will enable us to be able to contemplate in a way that brings rise to wisdom seeing the body uh, that we take to be the self, that we take to be me in mind, that really it's just something that's painful. And we can ask ourselves, is it actually me? Because the Buddha taught that it's not a being, it's not a self, it's not an other. So we should contemplate, we should look at it right here, peel off the skin and see what's there underneath, and take out the different elements and put them into heaps a heap of you know, the different liquids, a heap of blood, a heap of air, a heap of fire, of heat, a heap of earth, and ask, is this me? Is there any other there? And see that my heap of the four elements and other people's heap of the four elements, they're all the same, there's no difference. And uh, we see that that's just how it is. these things, they're all the same. That when we're born, we need to get old just the same, we need to get sick just the same, we need to die just the same, that it's normal. And we contemplate to see that it's normal, it's perfectly normal for it to be just like this, this is the way that things are. And when we see that normal things are normal, then we've seen the Dhamma. So therefore, when Dhamma arises right in front of us, right within us, for example, when sickness comes up, then we take that as Dhamma, and we see that this thing, it's not constant. This inconstancy has arisen already. We see that what the Buddha taught, that is right, he taught perfectly correctly, that this body really is something unstable. It really is a source of pain, and we're able to accept that. That whatever happens, whatever the case, we must get old, we must grow ill, we must die. It just depends on whether this happens quickly or slowly. But we also do our duties as well. That these bodies of ours, when we get sick, then we give them over to the doctor to look after. And he can take care of them. And also the causes and conditions. They have to bodies have to follow those but we need to bring up Dhamma in our minds and see how these things are normal. The average life expectancy for people these days is 75 years, and if we live beyond that, then that shows we've got a lot of merit. Some people live to the age of 80, 90, even 95, and that's a great amount of merit that they have. And so we should be determined that the rest or the remainder of this life So we use that to practice. We use it to meditate, to chant, to do this every single day. Because we just don't know when death is going to come for us. So we shouldn't be heedless. You see that now in our societies, that this pandemic is spreading about. And in some countries, they would taken great precautions before and looked after the situation very well. But they later became heedless. And now many people are dying. In one day, perhaps 40 people have died, and they're actually not dying due to this virus, but they're dying due to heedlessness, Because these people, for the most part, they gathered together with others, thinking that they'll find some enjoyment, some entertainment there, and that led to their death. But no one who gathered together in those places thought that that would cause them to die. So do we see... These lives of ours, they're not sure, they're unstable. So we need to contemplate to see that, to see how these things really are inconstant, they are unreliable. And we do it like this. And then when we see this, we've understood the Dhamma. So we see that these bodies are a heap of suffering, they're a heap of inconstancy, they're a heap of not-self. And when we see that clearly, then we're relieved of all our doubts. Sila, Samadhi and Panya gather together and we see into the Dhamma. We gain great joy in our hearts. The mind becomes radiant. So the Dhamma has great value. And now we have this great opportunity that we've been born into this life, that we have this deep respect for the Buddha, for the Dhamma, for the Sangha. So we practice the Dhamma And in doing so, we can feel really proud of ourselves. For those people who have wealth, and they give some of that wealth away, they share it, they sacrifice in order to help out their fellow humans, uh, human friends. This is something that's really praiseworthy, and I give my Anamodhana, I rejoice in that goodness. For the doctors, the nurses, the medical staff who are doing their duty to the utmost of their ability and their energy, I give my Anamodhana to all of you as well. That you're doing this in praise and homage of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. Helping each other out through kindness. And this quality of kindness is that which takes care of the world, which props up, supports this world that we're able to live together, that this world is able to stay on, is due to metta, due to kindness. So when we cultivate this kindness, then the heart becomes peaceful. And as this peace gathers together, gathers together, then in the end we'll gain knowledge into the Dhamma. And we'll understand and see this clearly, that really these things, they're not mine, they're not me. And so we do this um, in the beginning. And by doing that, we'll have no eighth life. And so may all of you be firmly intent in this.